Welcome to the first edition of Force Proximity. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Megan. And joined with us today is our cat Hermes. Our first book we're going to discuss is called The Bromance Book Club, written by... Lissa K. Adams. And Megan is going to break down the book thoroughly because she took amazing notes and I just read it. So I'll chime in when as she's speaking about the notes she took and she's going to go through the, the beats. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... But first, before we start that, I have a trivia question for you, Jonathan. Okay, so let's tell them what we're doing. So instead of just getting right to business and just being all business and no fun, I love trivia. So Megan is going to ask me a question at the beginning of every episode about trivia. Could be sports, could be... It'll usually be sports, won't it? Well, uh... I don't know. Could be about, you know, my research. What am What am I researching now? Well, you're researching country music right now. Yeah, and death. And well, you're always researching death. Yeah. All right. So, what's the question today? The question today is, who? <laughs> I can't even say this without laughing. Who won the Stanley Cup? Okay. Who did they play against? Okay. Who got MVP? The Con Smythe. And who got the goalie award? The goalie award? Isn't there a goalie award? At the end of the season. Oh. Well, you can answer that too, because I know you know it. Probably. But... In 1994. Oh, 1994, that's easy. That's the New York Rangers beat the Vancouver Canucks in seven games. The Conn Smythe Trophy winner was the first American to ever win it, Brian Leach. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yep. He's a defenseman. Maybe because you always call it the Conn Smythe Trophy, and that meant nothing to me, but I know what an MVP stands for. Well, the Conn Smythe is the MVP of the whole playoffs, not of the season. The season is the heart. And not of the Stanley Cup. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Wait, the whole playoffs. The whole playoffs. Like from January till No, August. no, no, no. That's the season. Okay. The playoffs is April till April till June or whenever it ends. So when the playoffs start to the end of it, whoever is the best player through the playoffs gets the Consumite trophy. And that year is Brian Leach. Okay. That's cool. You don't have to win the Stanley Cup to get the Consumite. But yeah, only Usually they do, though, like 99% of the time. I don't know who won the Vesna that year. I was eight years old. Is that the hockey, the goalie That's award? That's the goalie award. The Vesna? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was called something different. Do you even have it written down? No. Oh, I don't know. You're supposed to write this down. What so, do you mean? So I know if I'm wrong or right. Oh, okay. I'm sure you're right. Okay. I I, I picked 1994. Oh. It's your well, team. I knew you were going to yes. get it right. My favorite team is the New York Rangers, so that's the last time they've won the Stanley Cup. And my wife threw me a bone on that one. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Moving I on. I threw myself a bone because I knew I didn't have to do any fact-checking. Oh, well, next time, please fact-check. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. So, um, do you want to get into the book now? Talk about the beats? Sure. Okay. So, the Romance Book Club was the perfect book 
for us to start this adventure with. Sure was. Um, a lot of the the romance, as you can guess from the title, was in the bromance. Um, to me, like the the guys of the book club are are the best characters, and they made the book the most fun. And I think Jonathan could really relate to them because yeah. he's a man who likes sports and is in sports. And it's about men in sports. Um, so I thought, I thought instead of giving you a brief synopsis and then delving into these random things that we liked or didn't like about the book, that we would do a more full-blown synopsis and give you um, heavy plot points, um, which I call the beats, because that's that's what writers usually refer to them. Um, they, they're referred to the beats in writing and, um, and in film as well, in TV. Um, and there's a different format for, for the beats in romance um, than in general fiction. And I think Lissa K. Adams does a really good job of combining the two, combining the character arc journey with the romance journey and then she has two characters which is why I think this book is so cool and it's what she like she did some really heavy lifting when she was writing this um because she was she was following the husband's story she he has a character arc he needs to go on this emotional journey before that that he can repair his marriage the wife has to go on an emotional journey before she can repair the marriage. The marriage itself goes on a journey. And then you've got this little friendship bonus yeah. with the guys in the book club. And it was really cool. She really deftly wove all of those arcs together. Um, and I think she sort of flitted from like romance beats back to the hero's journey beats back to the romance and it was it was really cool. I was trying to study how she did that and I couldn't figure it out at some points. So, props to her. It was a fun book to read. And that. It, not not just like the romance aspect of it, but just a, a general general pleasure to read that book. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to start with um the first beat which is the setup also called um, the intro to the heroine, hero and the intro to the heroine. Um, so you start the book, Gavin, Gavin, the dude that the, the book is about. Well, we don't know he's a husband yet. That's true. It's just this guy named Gavin. He's alone and he's wasted in a flea bag hotel. Hammer drunk. Three teammates arrive to rescue him from himself, not just so that he doesn't drink himself into organ failure, so but to ultimately save his marriage. That that part was that was a great opening for me because I automatically had something to tie it to. If anyone else out there is a sports fan, the movie Sixty One about the home run race in nineteen sixty one between Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle. There's a scene where they are 
basically dragging a drunk ass Mickey Mantle back to his hotel room after he crashed a car that would have sent him to prison for drunk driving nowadays. But I just it it that made it made me picture that scene in that movie when yeah, uh, Whitey Ford was uh, was paying off the bellboy to like any damages and mm. basically three teammates were helping Mickey Mantle in his drunken stupor. Mm-hmm. So I just tied it to that. That's that's cool. I liked that movie. I don't remember it as well as you do, but um, so that's what's going on here. The scene was hilarious, um, and then she she. She embeds these like little points that continue throughout um, throughout the story. Like there's a character, a side character called Brayden Mack. Yes. Um, and Gavin, who's so drunk, he doesn't know what's going on. Doesn't really know him. He's not a teammate. He's friends of teammates, and um, and he calls him. He's wondering if he is Brayden Mack. So at first he calls him might be Brayden Mac, and then next it's pretty sure it was Mac, and then later it was eating his apple Mac, and then later in the book she calls him something else. Oh, ate his apple Mac, I think. And it's just, I don't know, you have to read, it's funny, but. Um, so next, okay, so in, in the scene we find out his wife Thea has just asked him for a divorce. Um... And he's not wasted because his team lost. He actually just scored um, some kind of super-duper home run. <laughs> Jonathan's about to yell at me for. And I think it, it allowed for some... That would be called a some... grand slam. Okay, yeah. that In the bottom of the ninth to win the American League championship. Uh-huh. That... Um... Okay, so you learned that that he's not he's not his team won, but because of him, because of him, but he's not drunk because he's upset about that. He's upset because his wife just asked him for a divorce, and he's so sad. Um, she hadn't asked him for a divorce yet. Yeah, she kicked him out. No, no, no. She asked him for a divorce. A divorce. Page three. Believe it, Gavin groaned. Okay. Well, you took notes and I didn't, so. Yeah. But you have a really amazing memory, so. Well, not right now I don't. No. (laughs) The other thing you learn in this scene, which is really interesting, is Gavin has a stutter. Yes. Which is really awesome, because we automatically, like. You feel for him. We like him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't like a person with a stutter? Except or just just any anything that gives you character. So, yeah, like, but a stutter, we we know it's a vulnerability, and it's like an adorable vulnerability. Yeah. So we want we I think we feel as readers we feel protective towards him, and we want to because we know struggles. We all know people who have have stutters or speech issues. Yeah. I.e. our son Hank. Yes. And we know how hard it is to not be able to verbally communicate. And that's what it made me think of, is a grown-up Hank. Um, but it, but it's all good, because the guys have a solution. They don't clue Gavin in yet. But they have, but something is brewing. 
and Gavin doesn't know, and we don't know what it is, but we really want to know. I think Lissa really sets the tone in this book, like, right off the bat. It's rapid-fire pacing, really quick banter. The guys are talking above each other, and and first to one guy, then to the next guy, and you you understand completely what's going on. At the... At the book club. No, no, no. I mean, I'm talking like very scene, like scene one, pages oh, still zero in the hotel through ten. Room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told you I'm going slow. So, um, good job, Adams. So, chapter two is Thea's introduction because we introduced the hero. Hero. Now we're introducing the heroine. Thea is Gavin's wife that has just asked for a divorce. Um, it's it's not as effortless. Um, as the the scene with the guys, but also she doesn't have a fun a gang of funny guys trailing her, so it's it's she and her sister Liv are knocking down a wall in her house so she can have better light to paint <laughs> by, and it's her it's her post breakup haircut. Yes, or she's essentially cutting bangs in her house. Um, although I always have bangs, so I think bangs are always a good idea. What was the first thing you thought of when you re- read? I'm tearing down this wall, or she's in the process of tearing down the wall. Oh, okay. So the first thing I thought of is, bitch, did you make sure that that wall is not load-bearing? Yes. Because (laughs) I think we all watch enough HGTV to know you can't just be arbitrarily blasting through walls in your house. Especially one, since the, the whole rest of the house is described as... Kind of open concept, except for this one. Yeah. This one wall. And I've I've torn down enough walls in my day to know. You get an engineer to check if it's load bearing, and then you have to get an electrician make sure wires aren't going through there or plumbing or anything. Yeah. And but she does it anyway, and she and when she goes to buy the sledgehammer with which she she tries to tear down the wall. The mansplainer, in quotes, is um, the one selling her the sledgehammer, and he he says, make sure it's not load-bearing first. And she, like, I don't know, it's this big patriarchal, like, male dominance thing, but so I may- was thinking the same thing. I think that was... But maybe the- that was the, the part where she did check, letting us know... That she I, did check. I think that was. I think it was. Of course, I checked. Of course, I hired an engineer, and or I or I have the house plans. Or we have the blueprints. Yeah, yeah something. Yeah. So I think that was. Yeah, the answer to that, but it didn't really suffice. But that for was. Me. Yeah, that was a little bit after the the initial tearing of the wall. No, that part. was that was three pages later. Yeah, a little bit after. Oh, okay. So when I first read... Yeah, page one, you were... Yeah. yeah, that's automatically thinking, did you do these things? Yeah. Um, it also start. The chapter starts out with, nothing on earth is as strong as a woman who's good and fed up. So telling us that is either brilliant or really heavy-handed. Um, so to the modern reader, we, we want to like her already because the author's telling us she's strong... So we have to root for a strong woman. But also by telling this unpretentiously, we're more apt to root for her 
when she doubts. Because so, it's a cute turn of a phrase. Who's good and fed up. Um, so... <laughs> the, what is it? What? What is the saying? What did she write? Nothing on earth is as strong as a woman who's good and fed up. So, immediately, I go to Dwight Schrute. False. <laughs> Black bear or something. Whatever Dwight Schrute would say. <laughs> False. <laughs> <laughs> but that's one of the grand grandisms that are, that are peppered throughout the book. True. Um, and it's but you also don't find that. Adams's way of making us know that we're supposed to like Thea. Mm, I didn't like her for a while. It didn't work for me. Yeah, I yeah. didn't like her either. Um, I really hated Liv at first, too. And she's the sister that is helping her knock down this wall. Um, so anyway, she's, she wants a change in her living environment that reflects the change in her heart. She's done being bossed around by society's rules, by the Wives and Girlfriends Club, or the, the, wags, the wags of the team. Um... And, and by her husband's um, insensitivities. Uh, Liv, her sister, is throwing all the coal she can onto the fire in the name of loyalty. Yeah. Um, which comes across as just very angry, very harsh. And in my mind, I, I get loyalty. I'm the most loyal person ever to a fault. And I, I probably am a Liv... I'm, like, loyal to the person, but now that I, I'm married, I'm also loyal to the institution of marriage, and I think it's too sacred to be just rooting for it to become a dumpster fire that fast. So, anyway, Liv's a really complex character, and I hated her at first. She grows. She, she does. She grows a lot. Um, she's really interesting. She, it's, it's... It's very interesting because she's a side character that has a pretty big arc. Yeah. And I think it's great to see a little bit of that arc because she the next book is about her. Yeah. So it's kind of cool so to good, know. So good for her for setting that up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we see Gavin and Thea together. Gavin shows up when they're knocking down the wall. Um, it's awkward and weird and sad and confusing. Um for even even the dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's really perfect the way Adam lets Adams lets us see snippets of the buzzwords that led to their breakup. We hear a little bit, we hear some of the keywords involved in their breakup, but we don't understand why. We know there has to be something big for her to insist on a divorce all of a sudden, but we 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 think we know what it is. We think Gavin knows what it is. We think Thea knows what it is. But really, none of us really know yet. And it's cool the way that we learn what it is at the same time the two participants in marriage learn. Yes. It becomes clearer to all of us. It so, sure does. Yeah. I thought that was one of my favorite parts of the book. Um, and... We're also on board right away with the idea that something big does need to change in their marriage. Or she's going to end up like one of the women from the movie The Hours. So, that brings us to the catalyst or the inciting incident. Um, the uh, The inciting incident is... I think the initiation of Gavin into the Bromance Book Club. Yes. 
Um, there's three guy, the three guys from the first scene, plus one more guy from the Nashville NFL team. <laughs> Which. <laughs> Which Jonathan has it's, problems with, like, the suspension fine. of disbelief around not having real product placement in, in it's I why don't know, fiction. I, the Natural is not a good movie. Well, it's not a good movie because it's really long and boring, but... And it's not... It's the Yankees. He plays for the Yankees, not the Knights. Yeah. Okay, The Catalyst. The Catalyst is the initiation into the Bromance Book Club. You've got the three guys from the first scene, the funny ones, plus one more that plays for the Nashville football team. <laughs> they all meet in Gavin Mack's basement and start throwing out tropes and relationship no-nos and keywords, and Gavin is totally lost. He's wondering why so many of these men know so much about his private life, but it turns out they've all been where Gavin has been and have come out the other side. And they convince Gavin to read a romance novel to help save his marriage. Not just any romance novel. Courting the Countess. A Regency romance. A Regency romance, which <laughs> I didn't know what that was until I read this book and Megan had to tell me what a Regency romance was. Romance from the late 18th and early 19th century. Yeah. So essentially the Patriot. No. No, no, no. That's either... American or French Revolution? Or... No, no, no. That's what? that time, though, right? No. No, no, no. Later, later in the 1700s. Oh, okay, okay. Like, late, late 1700s. You so, like, Sherlock you... Holmes? No, that's Victorian. So, like, Jane Austen. But you never watched Jane Austen. No. Okay. Like Pride and Prejudice? Mr. Darcy? Yeah. Yeah. So, the men were... I always think of what people were wearing at the time. Women were wearing those empire, empire waist dresses with the, like, tiny corsets and then, like, really flowy, loose gowns. Okay. Um, and then men were wearing riding breeches and cutaway coats with long riding boots okay. most of the time. In, in the English aristocracy, anyway. I mean, they were obviously wearing something different. Uh, in the Cheyenne Nation, or in whatever dynasty well, was in China. But, that wouldn't yeah. be a Regency romance at that point, would it? Uh, no. Okay. Because the regent wasn't ruling. There you go. Yeah. Um, so, anyway. So they throw out these terms. Um, Gavin sees the cover of the book, and it's a woman from, like, the 1800s or some shit was leaning on a couch with a dude in one of those old-timey suits standing behind her with his shirt open, is a quote from the book. So, yeah, I wouldn't have wanted to read that either, like, three years ago, because uh, I'm fairly new to romance, and that that kind of book never appealed to me yeah. until... I started reading them, and I realized the covers really don't. I I don't I don't like those covers, but they're not what the book is about. The books are so much better than their covers. So Gavin's mad. Um, so and he says, "You guys read romance novels, 
And the Russian says, we call them manuals. Manuals. <laughs> and it's a lot more than just reading, Malcolm said. So that, that brought me to another movie. <laughs> which that part, is? The Comrades of Summer, a baseball movie in the Soviet Union, Ooh. where uh, Joe Montaigne has to be the manager of the Soviet baseball team. And they're do they're learning any, everything out of a manual, but they call it, keep calling it Manuel. So oh. he thinks it's this Cuban guy that's been coaching them. He said, and then he finds out it's a manual. He's like, Manuel is manual. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds funny. Um, but don't ever make me watch that movie. So, just to <laughs> warn you, a lot of things are gonna bring me back to sports movie references or sports references. Probably somewhere along the lines there'll be Star Wars references and Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. But Star Wars, because that's what we're watching right now. So yeah. I kind of finally get the references to Star Wars for the first time. I have to hit pause a lot and explain what's going on and backstories and why things are the way they are. And because there's a lot of plot holes, not because I lack the ability to discern what's happening. Yes. Yeah. And I have disagreements with it. And I think they really should have asked my opinion about the first three. But they didn't. And they're not good because of it. Um, so then they they go on in the scene. Back to the book. They go back to the scene and um, the football player finally explains why they're reading romance novels instead of, I don't know, self-help books or Jack Reacher to um, to be more emotionally tied to their wives. Um, <clears throat> and at first he says, Look, man, men are idiots. We complain that women are so mysterious and shit, and we never know what they want. We fuck up our relationships because we convince ourselves it's too hard to figure them out, but the real problem is with us. We think we're not we're supposed to feel things and cry and express ourselves. We expect women to do all the emotional labor in a relationship and then act confused when they give up on us. So that hits home for Gavin mm -hmm. and starts to convince him. And then they go on to talk about romance novels, which I think is sort of the, the theme behind this whole podcast. Romance novels are primarily written by women for women, and they're entirely about how they want to be treated and what they want out of life and in a relationship. We read them to be more comfortable expressing ourselves and to look at things from their perspective. And um, I think that's great. I think men should be reading romance novels. I remember when I read, um, I think Twilight was the first romancy type novel that I read. And I read it way later than I should have. I think I was 27. Um, but I remember thinking, if ever I have a girl child, she's not allowed to read this. And if ever I have a boy child, I will give him this novel <laughs> when he's 14. So he can learn how to treat women. And that's because I like how Edward treated Bella. Um... Not the, like, not allowing them to have sex until they're married, but the, the, 
like gentlemanliness that goes beyond the opening doors and that crap. It's mm-hmm. like it's the thinking of her first. And I think um I've since read a lot of I mean, since read romance and it's all about that. Um and I I really think that men are um this is the men's manual. So moving on. So Hank, our son, will not be reading Twilight, but he'll be reading some other really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then we break into Act 2, or we have the adhesion plot thrust, depending on which this is where... What the, is an adhesion plot thrust? Okay, so that's some not something you have to know, but it's it's... From Romancing the Beat, a book by Gwen Hayes. Okay. Who is, um, she teaches romance writers how to plot. Those the This is a plot beat for romance writers specifically. Um, and it's basically the, it's basically the opening to Act 2. It's, it's set up a little bit different. But Act 2 means, okay, he's, he's finally prepared to take a step. Let's see what he does about it. Or let's see his thought process about that step that he's about to take. Um, so, right here, Lissa K. Adams puts in a chapter from Courting the Countess, the faux Regency historical romance. And the scene is straight out of Gavin's own marriage. While, she's, while he's not scoffing anymore, though, he's still not 100% into the idea that romance novels could help his relationship. Um... And that's it for that beat. I don't really, I don't want, really want to talk about that because that's kind of inconsequential. Just the fact that you know that he's slowly reading this yeah. Regency romance at first, and then yeah. he gets into it. So then you, then you go into fun and games, um, and then you have alternating points of view. We start to learn more of why the marriage failed, um, but we we still don't learn the full complex nuanced argument until near the end um but we can follow along so yeah. we know enough to follow along and and root for both of them independently and root for the marriage to stay together yes um does it tell what they argued about it does say what they argued about it says they argued about the night that he hit his grand slam yes he came home, they were really drunk, and they had sex, and he gave her an orgasm for the first time. And they've been in married three years. for three years. Yes. Yeah. And he knew right away that she didn't... And, and then she told him all the other times that, that he thought she had an orgasm, she was really faking it. And that... He did not react well to that news, and instead his, his, of... His ego was hurt. Yeah. Um, so he... Instead of... They were both angry, instead of staying and talking about it, and him breaking down and asking why not, and what's going on, and oh my gosh, what did I do? Why? Did, how did it get to that point? Just, how was I so blind? Instead of asking those internal questions... He just said, liar... He, he, no, he said, I'm moving into the guest room. I can't deal with this right now. Yeah. 
She needed somebody to stay with her because she has so many issues from childhood and her parents' terrible marriage um, that to her that felt like she was being abandoned. So three weeks after he moved into the guest room, she kicked him out of the house for good and asked for a divorce. Um... So, but we don't, but like anything, it's like if somebody cheats in a, in a marriage, maybe cheating is a bad thing because yeah. this, the scenario with Thea and Gavin's relationship is not, it's not cheating. No, it's not cheating at all. It's like way not that bad. It's just not communicating. Yeah. I'm try, just trying to think of something, but even if cheating, people always say it's not one-sided. It's not like one person's fault. It's it's still both people's fault. This is even more fifty percent. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah, they're terrible communicators. And so many people are. They've only been married for three years. They're either been married for three years and they're in their early to mid twenties. And they have three year old twins. Yes. So I don't know. I mean, when we were married for three years, we were not communicating well. No. Um, we didn't have, we didn't have three-year-old either then. No, we didn't. So, I, I can't imagine, like. And not two of them. And not two of them, yeah. So, there's a lot going on. And I, I really think this is, I don't know, not a big issue. Because they just need more time in their marriage. Yes. But, but also they needed, I think, some, like. They needed a wake-up moment, and this is a good wake-up moment, because now their marriage will be cemented. If they make it through it. Well, we know it will. It's a romance, so there's a happily ever after. Well, that's the good part about reading romance. There's like, always there's a happily not... ever. Yeah. I, you know what I will say? I knew it was going to... It's like watching a rom-com. You know how it's going to turn out, but you just watch it, because you want to... It's it's the journey, not the destination. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm reading through my notes. I have a lot of notes about how brilliant Adams' writing is. Uh, I, I really think it's important that throughout all of this book, her pacing is so rapid-fire. Like, it, throughout the middle, when it could just be, like, bogged down, and this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then th or, like, angst. Like, yeah. in the case of both of these, you've got two people working out issues by themselves. So it's a lot of sitting and thinking, or sitting and complaining, or... Uh, it's a lot of thought, and it doesn't ever devolve into just this angsty swamp of a book. No, it's like, I would say there's a lot more finger-pointing on Thea's side. She does a lot of finger-pointing at Gavin. Yeah, well, she's totally unable. She doesn't have the tools or, like, the. she's an empty jug. Yeah. Like, she cannot... She has been pouring for the past three years, and she's got nothing left to give. So she has no capacity for, for change at this point. She needs to feel a little bit of that love from Gavin. And she hasn't felt the love from Gavin in a long time at this point. 
So, and I think the orgasm thing is is a is an indicator of that. Like, not that she only feels love from their physical relationship, but she started to not be able to orgasm when he started to, to disconnect from her. Yeah. And put baseball first rather than their family. Um, so, plot-wise, Gavin moves back into the guest room of his house. Um, they have terms, and he begins say, this, to... This is a good part to bring up the... the uh... The main part of the book. Yeah. <laughs> so he moves back into the guest room of his house and begins to court Thea. Um, he's taken on the responsibility of being the one to change single-handedly mm-hmm. because he has been handed the manual. Yeah. And Thea hasn't. Like she, we just said, she can't. She doesn't have the tools. She doesn't have a manual. And, and what a perfect time for him to do that because by the sounds of it, they went deep into the playoffs the baseball playoffs. Yeah. And what time period of the year is he courting her to win her back? What are the stipulations? Oh, oh, I see. So it's uh, he moves in the day after the day before Thanksgiving. Day before Thanksgiving. He he has until Christmas to win her. Okay, so for if you're not familiar with how um, sports works. And the um, the training aspect of it, when your season is over, you take four to six weeks and rest. You don't. You do nothing. Mm. Maybe some light workouts. Are they in that four to six? Week and period? he has four to six weeks. Oh, okay. To focus solely on courting his wife. Oh, that's convenient. He has no for him. baseball stuff to worry about. No training to worry about. And that's something the author doesn't have to worry about writing into the plot. Exactly. So that's convenient. Yeah. And good for her for making it that time period. I think that was on purpose. Yeah. She did her homework. Yeah. You said that earlier that she did her homework about about the Grand Slam. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it wasn't the obvious choice there. She went for something a little bit more interesting. Yes, it wasn't, you know, two outs in the bottom of the ninth bases loaded cuz down by one. And they still lost. They ultimately. lost game seven. Yeah. They lost game seven. The grand slam was in game six, ascended to game seven. But they did so they didn't go to the um whatchamacallit? The World Series. Right. No. Okay. But that would so still So they didn't win the pennant. No. They're not the They lost the American League Championship. They series. lost them. Okay. I thought they won them. No. Okay. They won but game six, lost game good. seven. They were like fourth in all of baseball. Right? No, first or last. I know, but whatever. They're they're a good baseball team, though. The that's uh, yes, very they're good baseball the team. They're not the crap garbage baseball team. No, if you're going to the ALCS American League Championship Series, you are a very good team. Okay. Um, so the midpoint is a single scene beat. It's called the midpoint because it's it occurs at 50%. Um, I don't really know what the big midpoint single scene beat is in this book because at, at this point you've got all three characters going. I would say it's going. Thanksgiving at Dell's house. You think so? Yeah, because you get to meet some little bit of uh, outside on their team and outside... Interference in mm-hmm. Rachel. 
She's not so much interference, but like a negative. Rachel is a, another wife of the baseball team. Yes, total, total bitch. Yeah. She's awful. Like she, her whole goal was to marry a rich baseball player. Yes, and she succeeded. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's pissed off at Thea, who, who, um, started dating a minor league baseball player and then got pregnant with him. Right before. Pre- pregnant by him. Right before he went to the three show. Three months after they started dating, and it was the same time she got pregnant that he got called up to the majors. Yeah. So she, in, that's, that's in Rachel's going, mind. That's called going to the show. I figured. Context clues. Um, so she resents Thea a little bit because in Rachel's mind, Rachel put all this work into catching the right yeah. man and Thea just got, got in easy. She, yeah, she didn't put, she didn't pay her dues. Yeah. But I don't even feel like we should honor Rachel with all this Rachel talk because she's so bad. Oh, I thought, I thought. And she was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you just want to punch her in her face. Yeah. Not yeah. that I condone violence. Uh, yeah, I do, but... <laughs> well, I thought the midpoint... that You might be right about the midpoint. I think that's like, the midpoint. Okay, because to me, I, I was trying to think of something where things start to turn. And they start to get more... Well, because here's the, why. Because Gavin punches Mac in his face. For... And for flirting with Thea. What? Gavin goes around punching a lot of people in his face. Isn't but, that the second time he punches Mac? No. That's the first time. That's that's the only time he punched Mac he in the face. Punches Mac in the in the No. Store, doesn't it? Okay. No. And they sit him down and they're like, dude, you are not taking this serious. You need to his his all his friends sit him down and say, You're not doing this right. Yeah. You keep messing up and you're not gonna she's gonna leave. Yeah. And that's when he turns and, like, really buckles down and starts focusing on doing it the correct way. Okay, I but see, I think it's that combined... I don't think this midpoint is a single-scene beat. Okay. I think it's a two-scene beat, because I think it's that experience, the punching in the face, and his friends having a heart-to-heart again with Gavin, plus him turning to Lord Know-It-All, is what he calls the Duke or whatever yeah. from his manual, and... He finally does. He's okay. Let's read more of this Regency romance. I'm going to take it seriously. So it is. It is a turn that that scene and then his reading of the book together work as a little bit of a turning point for Gavin to be fully invested in this romance book. Club. And you can tell he start because he starts thinking in terms of the book, mm-hmm. and then he has these like <laughs> Obi Wan and Luke experiences where. The, oh yeah. The guy from the book is talking to him yeah. in his brain. <laughs> yeah. He Use calls the force. <laughs> Molly coddled whatever. Yeah. yeah. He starts like instead of cussing, he starts using these like crazy British colloquialisms. Okay, so we're back to the midpoint. I think there's a separate midpoint for the relationship, and that is the date. Um, yes. Good point. Good point. Yeah. And so that's why the midpoint was a little murky to me. And I think that's that. I don't know. It's really cool that she got published with these murky plot points. Honestly. 
um, because I think that makes a better story. Well, I mean, real life, we don't have that one single solitary moment. Right. That's a midpoint for what we're going through. I know. It's a lot of things. I know. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think it's murky. I think it's realistic. I think it's realistic, too. But when you hear as a writer, you have to hit the beats. You have to hit the beats. And then here she is hitting, like, she is hitting the beats, but she's working off of at least two beat structures, and she's got three character arcs. So uh, I just think that her beats are um, multiplied. Yeah. Um, So the midpoint for the relationship, I think, is the date. And it's this date that Gavin sets up for exclusively for Thea's pleasure. Like, he has nothing to do with it, and he takes her to an art supply store. Like a really nice one. A really, really nice. Not Michael's. Not Michael's. Like, for me, I, I, I got my art supplies in Washington, D.C. from Utrecht, and that's what I was picturing. Um, I pictured Hobby Lobby. And I told him no. <laughs> no, it's like real art, not like, oh, let's learn finger painting with your kid art. I've never been to a real art store. Yeah. Um, so So this would be like taking me to... Like the hockey monkey store, yes, or like not sports authority, no, with all the sports, no, just like just hockey monkey or the rogue retail, yes, or the rogue retail store in Columbus, Ohio. I know, I know where it is. That would be that's the equivalent for me. (laughs) Um, and art supplies are not my thing anymore, so the equivalent for me would be William Sonoma. William Sonoma, yeah, or Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble, yeah, or a lot of other places yeah. because I really like to shop. Um, so she gets art supplies. They talk about Pinterest. Um, he asks her, "Why are there all these naked pictures of me on Pinterest?" Yeah, <laughs> I'm, they're not naked. He's wearing like an Under Armour shirt, but women go crazy over yeah. him, and he's just realizing. Um, and, and this is really important. He's just realizing for the first time, I'm a sex symbol. I had yeah. no idea. And it is, it's so weird for him to wrap his head around the fact that he's a sex symbol. And you don't know why, because you're thinking, why is that so weird? You're a you're pro famous pro-athlete. Like, why would you not be considered a sex... Like, why would you not know you're a sex symbol? So, But we find out later why. So they go to... And then after, after art supplies... Which I was kind of mad that he didn't tell her to bring flats, but maybe I'm the only person because I could not walk around an art supply store well, just, for hours in my. And I pictured like, like looking all fancy, going shopping for art supplies. Yeah, I I could do the dress, but I couldn't do the heels. But I don't wear heels anyway. So they go to the restaurant, um, and they meet, or they have they have stalkers. Yeah. Stalkers are in the form of a Red Wings player. No, no, no. No, yeah. A Red Wings. A Red Wings player and a cowboy. Not a Red Wings player, a guy in a Red Wings jersey. Oh, a guy in a Red Wings jersey. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wearing his ice skates with skate guards and all his equipment walking around. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's not Halloween either. <laughs> um those people, the cowboy is Mac in disguise. Also, and Guys, once you hit 12 years old, you can't wear a jersey to not a game anymore. 
But that's why his disguise was so bad. That's part of it. Yeah, the Russian who plays for the Nashville Predators yeah. is wearing a Detroit Red Wings jersey. Yeah. That's why it's funny. Right. <laughs> and because the fact that he had to hide, and as Max said, no one would know who you are anyway. You yeah. didn't even need a disguise. That, but I don't know how many people know, like, nightclub owners by face. Would, would a lot of people... Maybe. Um, just for, I think yeah, I read I it so. wrong. I thought Mac was also on the baseball team. He was not. He's a nightclub owner. He can do both. Well, this guy's not. He's just like... Um, I, he's just a nightclub owner. Because he grabbed the phone from Mac... No, from Gavin, and Googled himself on Pinterest. He said, we're rich and famous. So, of course, you're going to read, like... He is rich and famous. And I think he's, like, a rich and famous playboy. So, he's, like, a Dan Blazarian? Like uh, maybe. I don't know who that is. Like a Hugh Hefner? Yeah, I guess so. Because he, he supposedly only reads romance for the... For like, the sex scenes. For the sex scenes. So, he can... Like, be even more of a good lover. But I think that's that's false. I think I think we're going to find out in book two that he has a backstory. And he tried this romance thing on his woman. And she it didn't work. And, he, and she left. Yeah. Like, he has a major heartbreak in there somewhere. But that's what happens to guys. They get their heart broken and then they become douchebags. So, he's right now he's a douchebag. But he's a helpful douchebag. So, Mac and... Mac and the Russian, who whose name is Vlad, we find out. Of course it is. <laughs> later, course are it is. stalking the pair in these terrible disguises. Um, and the the whole time, there's this tiny little subplot running through the current of, um, running through the the major threat of the Gavin problem, and it's. That Thea's dad is getting remarried. Yeah. So, why is that important here? I don't really remember. Because that's where her her mistrust comes from. Is her dad bailing? And her mom bailing. Yeah, her dad's getting married for the fourth time. Um, he has never been there for Thea, and Thea doesn't like to hear "I love you." She likes to. She likes her love language and, like, spoken through that. What's her love language? <sighs> Sounds like getting gifts. <laughs> yeah. The art supplies I mean, that's thing. part, that's one of them. Probably. And she did try to buy her daughter's gifts when she went to the art supply yep. store. So, giving gifts. Giving, yeah, gifts. Gifts are her gifts language. Are, yeah. And probably, I don't know. I don't know what else. That's okay. Um, I thought I thought Mac got punched again in this in the bathroom. I guess he didn't. Moving on. Gavin Mac is this really cool character, and he keeps taking punches Braden from. Mac. Ugh, Braden Mac. Gavin is the main character. Yeah. I really liked Braden Mac. He's so funny. He's this, like, suave, debonair guy. We're going to pretend he's not as much of a player as he pretends to be. He's probably not. I, I don't think he is. I think he's a really good guy. Yeah. Um, and he, but he's suave. He's a suit wearer. 
And then he shows up and just, like, talks a bunch of smack to Gavin, the main character, and... But then in the end, he's the one that's always there for Gavin. Yeah. Breaking things down for him and helping him through his little... His date night. And in the end, he... um, In the end of the date night, he ends up getting thrown out of the restaurant um, to aid in Gavin's... uh, Make him look good. Yeah, to make him look like the hero. It was an excellent wingman move. Yeah, that wingman. That's what he is. There's a term for that. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. That's that's that's, um, that's top shelf wingman execution right there. Yeah. Expertise, expert level. Um, so then you have the next beat would be, I guess, doubt. And it's Thea, I, I put this as Thea getting accepted into Vanderbilt so she can finish her degree. And it could be seen as a little bit of a, a tear in, in the reparation of their marriage. Yeah. Um, and Gavin really wants to support her. She always, they always planned for her to go back to school. Um, but I think it was it was just really painful for him because she didn't tell him that that's what she was doing. There's no reason that she shouldn't. Not, go and not back that to he was right mad now. that she was going back to school. That he wasn't right. He just felt he a didn't get to bit, share that with her. Right, right. So I think that was that put a little bit of that's a little moment of doubt. Because I think is, he was super happy for her. About yeah, it. he was just sad that he didn't get to express it to her. Right. Um, and we find out that Gavin isn't just clueless and insensitive, um, that he has real reasons why he has difficulty communicating. And it's not just the stutter, it's not the physical act of verbal communication, but he has, um, uh, he has problems opening a vein, as Dell, his teammate, says. So he realizes he has to open a vein, too. Um, the guy's... He tells the guys, finally, that Thea's been faking her orgasms the whole time. Um, and then Brayden, Mac, automatically says... Apologizes. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that. I'm so sorry for all the jokes. Yep. Yep. So, he's he's a really good guy. Yep. I really like him. And then, so, then they have the deepening. The deepening is a plot point, and I don't, I don't even know if it's... Uh, what does that mean, the deepening? Like... Um, deepening in the relationship. That's what I Because this is a romance plot beat. So it's, yeah, it's the deepening before, before things start to go haywire. Yeah. So he opens a vein and he talks to Thea and they discover the complexity of their communications problems. And they get physical for the first time, but it doesn't really work out. Um, so it just brings them a little bit closer together. Then they try to have sex again and still aren't being open and honest enough. And the experience is really bad. Gavin gets frustrated and he goes to the local park to hit balls. And he realized he still hasn't been completely honest about the whole entrapment thing. Because they both think they trapped the other partner into getting married when yeah. she got pregnant. She thinks... They each think they got trapped by the other one. No, they each think they trapped the other one. 
Thea's he, worried that she trapped Gavin into marrying her. And he's worried that and she he's, trapped... And he thinks that he trapped her by proposing immediately because he was ecstatic when they found out, when he found out so, she was pregnant. So they each think they trapped the other one, but they both wanted to be trapped by, by each other. So it was really endearing, I think. It's like the... Was it the gift of the Magi? <laughs> yes. It is the gift of the Magi. From the O. Henry short story, when the married couple didn't have any money to buy each other Christmas gifts, um, but she had this long, gorgeous hair, and he had his father's pocket watch and that he didn't have a chain for, or a fob, and... She decides to, she really wants to get him a fob for his watch. And he really wants to get her these beautiful combs for her hair. Um, And so what they do to get the money is she cuts off all her hair. And sells it. And sells it to the wig maker to get the money to buy a gold chain for his pocket watch. Which he sells. He sells the pocket watch in order to buy the combs for her long, long, beautiful hair. And so, yeah. So they each... So they don't have the thing anymore. <laughs> yeah. So loosely, like, connects to that. Yeah, it, yeah, it's sort of the same thing, the yeah. entrapment thing. Yeah, I didn't think about that. That was a good, good connection. Um, so I think this is another part coming... We're coming up to another part, The Dark Soul of Night. It's really long in this book. Um, sure is. Because you're... But it needed, it needed a lot of it needed to be to set up a lot of things. It did, yeah. Um, so at this point he he opens up to her and we find out I don't know I don't even know. This is gonna be a spoiler. But we find out a lot of the source of his his communication, and this leads to the fact leads to um, the him not knowing his his like sexual value, his self worth. Yeah, his self worth. He doesn't he because of his stutter and because everybody made fun of him or ignored it or pretended or just loved him despite his stutter. Well, it's like they like. Man, that dude has a stutter, but he's really freaking good at baseball, so we'll put up with it. Yeah, and we're just going to pretend that stutter isn't yeah. there, so we're going to get really awkward every time he speaks. Yeah. But he's just a big dumb jock, so hopefully he won't talk. Yes. Um, so he internalized all that throughout his life, and that's why he has trouble communicating, um, which, is, which is a really big realization he's coming to the realization as he's as he's hitting these balls at a park that he's broken into because it's late at night and he just needs to work out these anxieties that he has and then when he finally comes back and he opens up to Thea it's like he's completely bare he's like he's raw and vulnerable totally for the first time yeah and and because of that, she recognizes it, and they they move a little bit farther in their relationship. And then they have, but they can't go all the way. No. Um, because she still is closed off. We still don't know what her deal is, really. 
Um, so then there's a trophy ceremony. Um, the the team all get together. It's a team Christmas party. <clears throat> oh, a team Christmas party. Yeah. So we're nearing. Okay, the stakes are high, but we think they're going to get back together. We think okay, they're going. It's looking good. Yeah, it's looking really good. Nothing bad's going to happen. They're they're bearing their souls to each other, and he was the one with the problem. So, and he's worked it out. So now we think it's there's no way they're going to, like, not end up together and live there happily ever after. So they present all these awards. There's award uh there's an award well there's a moment where the players honor the wives and the girlfriends and and Rachel shows up and she is drunk Ooh. and she's talking to her followers that she thinks are her friends. Think movie mean girls. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um and she makes fun of Gavin stutter to Thea. And she says... (laughs) Yeah. And she says, I bet he even stutters in bed. And... And Thea has just had enough of this bitch. And she's gonna, like, stand up to her for the first time. And so she stands up to her about herself. She stands up to her about her everything. And she says, by the way, he does stutter in bed, and it's beautiful. And it's it's this really nice moment. Gavin hears her, and Thea thinks she's going to be mad at him for standing up to another one of the wives, but he loves her so much for it. And then they, like, he's, like, instantly wants to... They can't get back to their hotel room fast enough. Exactly. <laughs> um... And so they it's get a, back to their hotel room. He gives her lots of orgasms because they're emotionally vulnerable to each other. Which he picked up some stuff from old Count so-and-so. and He did, and he got a magical penis. Yeah. Yeah, there's a little bit of that going on. Yeah, <laughs> we're just going to say he learned a lot from his Regency romance Good for book. him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's convenient that they were that he was suddenly able to whatever it works yeah it works good for them good for her so they return home it's the next day they're all comfy cozy again and open and honest with each other or so that he Mm. thinks yeah but liz comes back and starts live starts back starts a shit storm oh jealous old live yep she's a hateful bitch and she tells Thea about the romance novels that Gavin has thrown into the guest room closet. Which at first, Thea was like, you read these too? That's awesome. That's what I thought. I thought it was like... I thought it was just going to blow right over. If I found a stack of romance novels in our closet, I'd be like, this is awesome. I haven't read these yet. But... We also are in the same situation they were in. True. So what makes her upset is she starts flipping through them and see his notes and like underlines. And And he verbatim said things to her that was in the book. I know, and there's some stupid things too. Yes, they. I read. (laughs) They were pretty cringy. Yeah. But. But she fell for him. She really loved hearing those weird regency words. But she thought it was all fake. That he's yeah. just he's just she reading the his, script. His change of heart with their relationship is yeah was just yeah. She thought it was all a show. Yep. So, 
Um, so Thea wakes up, and wait, are we there yet? Just no, Thea doesn't wake up yet. So then, okay, so Liv, Liv comes back, and has a change of heart suddenly. No, she doesn't. Yes, she does. Not suddenly. Gavin has to leave because he has to go to New York for a photo shoot. Right. And he texts Liv from on his way to the airport, say, hey, your sister needs you. Yeah. So she doesn't have a change of heart. She realizes that he's not all out for himself for the first time. Yes. Not that he was out for himself the whole time. Well, it's just I guess she Liv does have a change it. of heart. But it, it wasn't... I think it's a pretty big turnaround for Liv. Yes. it was a text message. Okay. It was a change of heart, but it was extrinsically motivated. Yeah, maybe. So her change of heart was extrinsically motivated by Gavin's text message. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. Change of heart's a change of heart. Who cares? Yeah, I think she was also staying with her friend Alexis... Um, I think something, she probably had a talk with Alexis, too, and Alexis convinced her. And Alexis was very rational and logical, where Liv is totally irrational, illogical, and... Yeah. 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 There's another word I'm looking for. Mm, I don't know. Uh, When you do things out of nowhere... Impulsive? Impulsive. Yes. Yeah. Um, not, not a good mixture. Yes, and that's also, like, um, Thea used to be impulsive as well. Yeah. Before... The whole wall situation. Well, that was her getting back to her impulsive roots. Yeah. But the whole time she was a, a young mom and a new married young mom, she wasn't impulsive. Which, I mean, I have a heart. I think I'm the only impulsive... Mom of a young child. And that's... Uh, I I also am not very... I'm just... I'm terrible at motherhood in general. That's So not, I think... That's not true. I am the most disorganized mom. Like, I don't even try. I don't have one of those huge whiteboards in our kitchen. Like, I miss appointments. And nothing is organized in our life. We have to, like, leave the house immediately. I just... I don't know. I, I'm the only impulsive new mom I know, and it's not working out. What I'm saying is, of course Thea's not going to be impulsive, because she has her act together, and she doesn't have ADHD, and she she's a new, she's a new mom. You can't be an impulsive new mom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's not that she, she abandoned herself. It's that she's a new she mom. She has a new self. She ha- yeah, she has a new self. She needs to like make make it work being a mother of twins. Twin three-year-olds are really hard, I would think. I mean, a single three-year-old was pretty hard. So, <clears throat> Well, our three-year-old is from north of the wall. Yes, that's true. Our four-year-old is from north of the wall. Yeah, and three was worse. Um, so... So Gavin's off. He's he's about to board a plane to New York to get his um his photo shoot. They're making a calendar or something. Yeah, team calendar. Yeah. For charity. Yeah. He's probably gonna have no shirt on and all greased up. Yeah. Um And apparently, according to Thea, his abs are like rocking right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, because he's a romance hero. Yeah. 
And at least he has a good reason. He's not one of those Regency Dukes that have an eight-pack. We haven't gotten there yet, but you'll read about him. It's funny. Okay, so... They all get eight-packs from riding their horses everywhere. Of course they do. And <laughs> not chopping their own wood and not doing anything physical of any kind. Right. And eating nothing but processed white breads and... Yeah, tea. And tea. They, those... Okay. Un- <laughs> unattainable male image. But Yeah. Oh, well, the female images are pretty the same, too. They're always, like, beautiful and don't know it. And yeah, but there's a movement. Curves in all the right places. There's a movement for for you, for females, to to not have that. Yeah. We don't have that yet. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming to romance. It is. Where it's starting with the redheads, honestly, <laughs> it's starting with male redheads. You don't have a wide variety of body male body types in romance yet, but you have a lot more Ron Weasleys. Yeah, <laughs> so I think it's happening. I think they started there because you can still be hot and have red hair suddenly, but well, I mean, uh, what's his name? Jamie Fraser. Yeah, but he's yeah he's not really ro- that's not romance though so you have to like put him aside. What is that? Uh, fiction, it's, sci-fi. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's science. It's I don't know. Yeah, science fiction, science, fantasy, historical fiction, historical fantasy. fiction. Yeah. Okay. Historical fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> An adventure. Okay. And magical realism. So. I don't even know. Okay, so then Thea decides, okay, She's my going husband's to her dad's wedding. gone, so I'm just going to attend my dad's wedding for some reason. Yeah, but you get that reason. No, I don't. I was pissed at her for going. You don't go to your dad's wedding that's, like, a bad dad. You just, you stay home. But you find out. You find out her dad's not that bad after all. It's yeah. her mom that's been, like, just, saying crap about him throughout the years. Just woman scorned. Yes, she was a woman scorned. And yeah, he wasn't a great dad. He was gone. And But his reasoning was his 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 act as a loving father was to provide funds. Right. Which he provided a lot of. Yes. And I wish I had that dad. I would gladly have that dad. I want the dad that is giving me funds because that's what he can give me. But that's that's the better dad. Well, I mean, you got neither. Yeah, I got got neither. No funds and no dad. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But but Thea, we find out Thea has um, taken a lot of how she views a man loving a woman as um, it's based on her dad or how she sees her dad running away from marriages in the past. So he's on his fourth marriage. But... Thea doesn't really know what happened. I mean, her mom is pretty awful. And we don't know what happened to the dad's um, second and third wives. Yeah. They could have been awful, too. So, and we don't really know what happens. Or died. Or died, yeah. Um, just, she has a lot of disdain. And a lot of the disdain is then cleared up at her father's wedding. Yeah. Um, and she realizes that Gavin is not her father. Which is her 
her realization that's going to set her on the path to to righteousness within herself. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and she needs to grand gesture. So do you, what is a grand gesture, Jonathan? What is it, like a, a almost like a sacrifice, I guess? Mm-mm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no. Lou, stay with me here. Not a sacrifice, but like she needs to do something big for him. Yeah. Yeah. She needs to put him before her. Well, the grand gesture is like yeah, it's like the penultimate scene in a movie. Yeah. It's um yeah, it's it's big. It's a big it's a big gesture. I don't know. I don't know. Grand gestures. What it what it sounds like. <laughs> a grand gesture is a it's a big gesture, like a, a really big gesture, it like is. really super big. Yeah. So her big gesture is going home. Yeah. Gavin simultaneously decides that he needs to grand gesture too. So her grand gesture is to go to her dad's wedding. Her grand gesture, yeah. Is has to, nothing to do with Gavin. Right. And his grand gesture is to get off the plane. He gets off the... The plane is ready to pull away from Nashville to New York. He gets off the plane. No, they're in Atlanta. Oh. They had a layover in Atlanta. Oh, oh, okay. Which makes sense. Yeah. I was wondering how long... Why was he at the airport for like five hours before? Yeah, so okay. he went from Nashville to Atlanta, and then they're going to go to New York okay. from there. So, how convenient. Yes. But, I mean, if you've ever traveled, air travel on the East Coast, especially Southwest, you're you're going to Atlanta. <laughs> like, you're going... You're going to A-Town. <clears throat> so, and then all of his friends, of course, want to be there while he grand oh, gestures. Heck yeah. So that's fun. And so, so his teammates, they were also on the plane. Dell fakes a heart day. attack. Yeah. They race, they run because Grand Jester means running, as yeah. the Russian says. They run, they rent a car and drive to the wedding. And he's he has to. And they park five blocks away. Yep. So they have to keep running. They have to keep running. Um, and so he bursts into the wedding. And asks her to marry him, which is kind of weird and awkward. And in front of all the people, in front of all the people at the end of the wedding, or he says, "I do," when when it's not the right time. It's like it's like the husband and wife are kissing for the first time, and Gavin bursts in the door and says, "I do," but it's okay because Thea kind of knows what he means. And she loves him all the more for it, and it's a really sweet grand gesture. And she says, I was going to grand gesture you right yeah. when I got home and did laundry first. Yeah. And I'm putting that, I'm putting those words in her mouth. Um, so the final image, which is the last beat, final image is Gavin reading a romance novel aloud to Thea, and the two of them are living wholeheartedly in front of the fireplace. In front of the fireplace. It's Christmas. So he has... They've met their deadline. Happily ever after. Yep. The exactly. end. Yeah. So I loved this book. Um, I did too. Loved it. Yeah. It was an excellent 
first romance book for me to read. Yep. Had the sports, had the 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 camaraderie with the the guys and the making fun of each other, which and that for me was the most enjoyable part too. Yeah, because we do that. I I was gonna say we don't do that, and I was thinking about all the times I hang out with my friends. Like, yeah, we totally do that. Yeah, I was thinking that too. We totally do that. Yeah. So, to be honest, before we started reading this book or started this venture of me reading romance novels with you and then podcasting about them. I thought I was going to go into them thinking that I was going to shred them, that they're not going to get guys right. I ended up reading it more open-minded than I initially thought I would, like right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And she nailed it. She got guys really right. I mean, some things we wouldn't do, like the flirting scene when they were teaching. Oh, that's my favorite scene. When they were teaching him how to flirt, but it was all guys. We would never do... Okay, I wouldn't say I shouldn't say all guys wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. I would have been very much like Gavin, been very uncomfortable with that. <laughs> I love that. That's one of my favorite scenes is when Gavin is just he's still in his hotel. He doesn't know how to flirt. He doesn't think he should have to flirt with his wife. Um, but and then Max starts flirting with him and Gavin doesn't know what's going on. And the way Mac flirts is the way men in romance novels flirt. Yeah. So it's kind of like a tongue-in-cheek way for Adams to say, this is written into every romance novel. But it's also, it's like, if this is in every romance novel, this must be really swoony also in real life. Yeah. So, and it is for me, I think, just... And and they're right. They're, to them, just flirting is eye contact. Like, prolonged eye contact and boosting her confidence. And winking. No. <laughs> I don't know if I'm the only... I, I don't feel like I... A no man should ever wink. Ever. I mean, unless it's... You're winking at, like, a little girl and it's really cutesy or... Or... Or it's like an inside joke kind of thing. Yeah, like a wink. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Or if it's, yeah. No, don't wink to flirt, please. Not with or me anyway. Do. But Just, don't flirt with me anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can. Good luck. You're not going to get anywhere. <laughs> You're not going to, I'm not going to recognize flirting, so. <laughs> yeah, you really don't. Me? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I ever have, looking back. I don't, I think, Yeah. Well, eventually we'll tell you the story of how we started dating. That's for and another how I time. I had though. no idea we were on a date. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, it worked out. <laughs> um, what else did I want to talk about? I th- think there were other things that we needed to... The BB levels. Oh, the book boner levels. Which is something we will have like going forward in all of our yeah. in all of our reads. Excellent idea by Lisa Lisa K. Adams. K. Adams. So the guys have a rating system for the books, which is the book boner level, one through five. So if a book has like a terrible plot, isn't well written, it could still have really steamy scenes in the mm-hmm. bedroom or the barn or wherever they're doing it. That sounds good. So, it could still be a BB... A BB4. A BB5 and still be a not a good book. Right. Oh, so yeah. So, at least will There's a, a lot of BB5s out there. At least they'll get that books. part out of it. Yeah. There's a lot of good books that are BB1s. Yeah. I think this was like a BB2. 
Yeah, because they only there was only like one. There were a couple like playing around scenes, and then yeah, it like wasn't one big sex scene, and it, it was, wasn't really it that was nice. Yeah, it wasn't really that. I think it was steamy. It was okay. It was steamy because it, it's not like, I mean, it's not like you have to have like BDSM and like crazy stuff. It was great have, for me. Yeah, me too. Well, and here's where we're different. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, <laughs> if there's a sex scene in a movie, mm-hmm. I am more inclined to just fast forward through it just to get back to the movie. And I realize how much the sex scene furthers the characterization so, and plot. Uh, fine. So I, I love them. So to, to go back to, to Dwight Schrute again. Okay. <laughs> where he's teaching Ellie Kemper's character how to speak Dothraki. I don't know. Well, he okay, is. He tricked thing. her into thinking that that's a real language. Oh. And he was explaining where it comes from, the hit HBO show, Game of Thrones, <laughs> where there's, he said something about where there's a lot of sex and nudity, which I fast forward right through to get to the decapitations. That's me. Well, I like the decapitations too. Yes. And I like gore a lot more than you do too. I like anything that's graphic in, in all walks of life. Just give me everything graphic. Not me. Yeah. I like. Buddy movies, rom-coms, and, you know, fantasy. I want, like, a bloodbath of sex, I guess. Not really, but I would watch that, too. I don't want just that, but I would totally watch that. We've watched Spartacus, so that's pretty much yeah. what that is. Yeah. Which... That's a show I would fast forward right through the sex scenes to get to the violence. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else you want to touch on on the book? I feel like yes, but I don't. I don't know. There's another book coming out. It's called The Undercover Bromance. Um, I really I April or August or sometime this year. It's probably not either of those two months. Lissa K. Adams' second book in the series is called The Undercover Bromance. And Looking forward to that one. Yes. It's, it's, it's Liv Mac. and Mac. Liv and Mac. Yes. Taming I'm so excited of the Shrew. To know. Yeah, it is going to be a taming. I'm suspecting it's going to be a taming of the shrew. But I think we're go- I'm going to like Liv a lot more in that. Oh, of course. We'll get more... Get to know her. Yeah, and we're gonna get to know Mac a lot better. And yeah. he has already—he's already my favorite character from this book. So I'm really looking forward to getting to know his backstory. Yeah. Because you know he's been hurt, and I want to—I want to know about it. All so, right. Thank you for listening. This was um, fun. Our next book is *Rafe* by Rebecca Witherspoon. Okay. Uh, that's gonna be an interesting one. Um, so, it's gotten a lot of hype the past year for a really steamy cinnamon roll male male character, and I think um, that's gonna kick off our our cinnamon roll um, discussion that will keep rolling. But it'll be Jonathan's second ever romance book that he reads. Yeah. Okay. So, bit of housekeeping. We have been. 
feverishly trying to figure out our audio situation. So right now, we're just talking into the the built-in microphone of the iPad. Regardless of the fact that we have five microphones in the room right now, and, and none of them are compatible with, with anything with we have right now. Our software. I just got a new computer. We'll be hooked up to that. The audio will be much better on the second episode. I promise. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.